is Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, and I am still in Tennessee. I have been here for, let me see, nine days now, I believe. I think when I last podcasted, I was staying at my sister's house. Well, all last week, uh, let's see, uh, I guess it was, when did I drive down here? Oh my God, it was a week ago, Friday, so that Friday I drove down and I've been staying, I stayed at my sister's house from Friday until Friday, yeah, so for, for an entire week. During that week, I went to the hospital every day at like 8 a.m. and stayed all day until 8 p.m. and did things like uh, played rummy cue with my mother, talked with my mother, uh, helped her move stuff around in the room when she needed to use the restroom and um, talked to doctors, talked to nurses, um, pretty much just stayed in the hotel room, I mean the uh, hospital room every day and had very little contact with anyone actually, just my mother and the doctors and the nurses for an entire week. I did that every day last week. Now in terms of my mother, she's actually getting much better. She was in the hospital, she's in, still in the hospital, but she's in the hospital for um, edema in her legs, which is uh, water retention or fluid retention in her legs. And her thighs are really big because they're, they're filled with fluid. And the reason is, is because of her heart valves are so damaged, they can't um, function properly enough to uh, make the body get rid of the water naturally. So... Um, that's like a very sim- simplified way of um, describing it, but that's the way the doctors described it to me. So they've been they've had her on an IV diuretic for, I guess, well, she went off that today. So that was eight days that she was on that. Oh, actually, she was in the hospital before I got there. So she's probably been on that for two weeks, I guess. And she lost five pounds of fluids and... Um, you know, going in the right direction, her lungs are clear. She doesn't have any fluid in her lungs anymore. Um, her breathing is much better. She was, she's still on oxygen, but they had her on a much higher dose earlier on. And um, now she's on a lower dose. And she no longer has to have these breathing treatments four times a day. Now she doesn't, I think she, maybe she does it once a day. But um, so she's getting better. Um, it's just taking time. They are expecting that she will be uh, released from the hospital either tomorrow or Tuesday, and it's probably going to be more likely Tuesday. Now, everything is complicated now because on Friday, my, well, the doctor told my, well, my mother told the doctor that my sister was coming home from her vacation, and she had been in the Virgin Islands, St. Thomas, for a week. And the doctor said, oh, wait, she can't come into this hospital if she's been, you know, even though the U.S. Virgin Islands is a U.S. territory, it's still considered out of the country. So um, in terms of the flight and all that kind of stuff. So he said, I don't want her in this or her family because they all went together. I don't want them in this hospital for 14 days. They cannot come and visit you. So she was coming home late, late Friday night. So I was like, well, where am I going to stay? I can't be near near my sister or her family because of their possible um, exposure to COVID-19. Um, 
because they went, they flew through the Miami airport and supposedly the Miami airport, according to this doctor, is a hotbed for transmission. Um, so he said, I don't want them in the hospital and you can't be around them and still come to this hospital. So I, since Friday, I have been in a hotel um, because I can't be near my sister and her family and still go to the hospital. So on Saturday, so I, I came to the, I came to the hotel on Friday afternoon and I've been here since, but so, and every day last week I was going to the hospital at eight o'clock in the morning and, you know, going in there and visiting all day and staying all that. Well, Saturday morning when I went to the hospital, I was going to, you know, do my usual routine. I get to the hospital and the front doors are locked. They're closed. There's nobody around. And I'm like, what's going on there? Where's the, uh, people who check in and everything. And a lady came walking up around the corner and she said, oh, the, the only entrance you can get into now in the hospital is through the emergency room. And she said, they're going to ask you a lot of questions. I was like, that's fine. I've been doing this every day this week. And when I say I've been doing this each day, I go to the hospital and outside of the hospital, they have this table set up and um, cones and stuff. And you have to answer these questions like, you know, do you have any symptoms? And they go through the symptoms, a dry cough you know, um, temperature, uh, fatigue, all these things. And you answer, no, 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 no. And then they they ask, have you been outside of the country? And I say, no, I've been coming to this hospital every day this week. And then they would give me a sticker and it would say visitor for only this day, for whatever the day was, the sticker only lasted for the day. And then, then you'd have to do, do this all again the next day. So then I was, you know, so I was doing that. I was going to the hospital and I'd spend the day with her and then, come home and then do the same thing next day. Well, anyway, Saturday when I went there and the lady told me that they're only going through the emergency room, I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll go down. I figured it's the weekend. They probably don't have all the people, you know, who are going to be sitting out front. So they're just doing it down to the, at the um, emergency room. And I say down because it's one level below where the regular entrance is. Anyway, so I walked down there and they have all these um, cones set up and, t and certain tables, but they have like two... Um, separation bars like you can't get close to these people but you can talk to them so that must be like the the six feet uh social distancing thing and um and they the first question is, is, is who are you here to see and i said my mom and what room number she's in and they, they look up on the list and they say oh you're not she's not a patient on the list and i said well what is the list and she said the list is only for um people who are either in palliative care, which is they're going to die soon, maternity, or one other one. I can't remember what it was. But so they were only letting visitors in who had already been um, called and said that they could go in. And they said you had to have a password. So like if if you were if you fell into that category, they, someone called you the night before and said, "This is your password. This is the only way you can get into the hospital is if you have the password." And they said, um, "Do you have a password? Did you get called?" And I said, "Well, no, I'm not on the um, list. My sister is because she's the um, you know whatever official legally next of kin thing whatever." And I said, "Well, she probably got a call, so I'll just go back to my car and I'll call her and I'll find out, you know." And of course, my sister, when I, okay, so I go back to my car, I call my sister and I'm already worried about calling her because this is like at eight o'clock in the morning and she didn't get home Friday night until like 4 a.m. because they drove from, they flew from the Virgin Islands to Miami and then Miami to Atlanta and then they drove from Atlanta back to 
Tennessee to Knoxville. So um, I thought, oh God, she's going to be asleep. So I call her phone and I leave her a message and um, tell her, you know, I can't, they won't let me in the hospital. They say I have to have a password. They said they called the next of kin or whatever on the list and they let that person know what the password was. And I said, did you get a call and what is the password? So I had to leave her a message because she was not answering her phone because she was asleep. So I just decided I would, I so I called my mom and said, mom, I can't get in the hospital because now they've got, I guess it's a lockdown situation where they're only letting certain people in who have a password and I don't have a password. So um, I said, I'll just sit in the car and wait until my sister calls me back and then I will, you know, get the password and come in and I'll meet you, I'll, you know, come see you. Well, I sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there. And I said, I'm not sitting here anymore. So I drove back to the hotel, which is like literally five minutes away. And um, I wait in the hotel for like an hour. And my sister finally calls and she says, what are you talking about? And I explained the whole thing to her. And she's like, well, I didn't get a call. I didn't. I wasn't given a password. She said, let me call the hospital and I'll find out what's going on. And she's so, you know, about like 20 minutes later, she calls me back and she said, it's right. It's true. They're only letting certain visitors in for people who are in certain conditions, and mom does not uh, meet the meet the criteria for letting visitors in. So the hospital is now on lockdown, and you cannot. No one can go in. So for the last three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I have been sitting in this hotel room with zero, and I tell you, zero interaction with people thank goodness because i do not want to get this virus and i'm um, watching tv taking naps sleeping playing on the computer um, watching lots of youtube videos and pretty much just killing time so that was a big um well that was part of the of the well that was the main thing i should say of this of this trip down here but little things have happened like on friday um, see, because I, I called my husband and told him I'm going to be staying down for because I was hoping to leave on Friday. Well, um, because my sister now has to be quarantined, I have to stay here because I'm now the only one who can, uh, you know, get to my mother. Anyway, so um, I had called my husband and said this was on Wednesday or Thursday that I knew this was going to happen. So um, I called him, I think it was Wednesday, and said, you're going to need to overnight me my medications because I only brought enough for a week and um so he said sure I'll do that and you know half an hour and an hour later he because he's got right away and did it he sent me the receipt with the tracking number of the package and I was like I, I need to have it tomorrow because I'll be out of medication I don't have any you know and since I've had my heart attack and I'm on this medication Plavix that you have to take every single day you know you because of the the body wants to um, fight against the stint that's in my arteries. Anyway, so I need to have this medication. I have to take it every day. And I had, I only brought enough for, you know, seven days. Anyway, well, it turns out he, he sent it by the United States Postal Service, which I know he doesn't listen to this, but I would have said that was a mistake. You should have done it through FedEx or through UPS because they will deliver it. Well... It was supposed to be overnighted, and so it should have come, should have arrived on Thursday. Well, it didn't come, and it didn't come. And then on on Thursday afternoon, we got a, well, he got a, an email saying that the shipment date has been um, changed to the 20th, which I think that was, fr yeah, Friday was the 20th. 
So it was coming on the Friday. I said, oh my God, it's absolutely got to get her today because I don't, I don't even have a medication for today. So um, it, it, they sent him another email saying that it was, they attempted to deliver it at like 9.34 a.m. on Friday, but that it was held by request of the, um, of the uh, recipient or whatever. Well, I'm thinking, what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, I called the post office and I said, um, I'm trying to find a, tra- a package. I had the tracking number and they said, um, you need to go to a local facility and find out where it is because it's in Knoxville. So I found the closest post office, drove to the post office, gave the lady the tracking number and she said, oh, that is probably still on the truck from the people who tried to deliver it that day, you know, on Friday that morning. Because it was like at one o'clock in the afternoon, and I said, I've got to track this package down. So um, she said, you can, she gave me the number of the customer service, of the local customer service um, office. And um, she said, you can call this number and give them the tracking number and find out exactly where the package is, whether it's on a truck or if it's sitting in a, you know, a storage place or whatever. We, you can, they'll tell you exactly where the package is. So I go out to my car, sit in the car and um Call the number and give the guy the tracking number. And he said, oh, do you have your mail on hold? And I was like, oh, my God, yes, I think I do. Well, and I'm saying that because my sister knew that they were, my sister and her family knew that they were going to be away for a week. So they put a hold on their mail. And because it, the package was sent through the United States Postal Service, they won't deliver that package because it's part of their mail. Because I put my sister's name on it and her address on it because it was her house. Oh, craziness. So I had to drive over to the customer service center, and which is the place where they hold the mail. And they said, this is not a regular post office. This is just like a building. And you have to come up and knock on the door and someone will answer the door. And I'm like, this is so clandestine. But it did, did have, you know, postal service on the outside and there were cars parked and everything. So I went up there and the, the doors were like dark, but they're like blacked out. And I knock on the door and this lady answers. And I said, I'm trying to find a package. And she said, oh, what's your address? And I gave the address. And she said, oh, you're on my route. Um, here, I have your I have your mail for you because you've been it's been on hold for a week. And sure enough, right on top of all the stack of my sister's mail was my package of pills. I was like, thank you so, so much. So I went back to the hotel, took my pill, and I was good. So I had the medication. So here's another crazy thing that has happened during all of this. My husband on... I think it was Thursday or Friday. We've been texting, you know, back and forth constantly this whole week. And he texts me. Well, I noticed that his text went from his regular phone number to his iCloud account, which means he's on his laptop because that's the uh, iMessage thing. And he sends me a text saying, "I." he says, I dropped my phone in the kitchen and now the screen won't work. He goes, I'm going to I'm gonna order a new phone. What should I get? And I said, well, you don't need a big fancy phone. So just get the iPhone 8. Those are still good phones. So he goes online. He he takes care of it. I don't hear from him. And then he, then he writes me back a couple minutes later and says, I, I ordered the iPhone 8, but I put your phone number on the shipping because my phone, I can't answer my phone because the screen is black. I, you know, I, the screen isn't working. I said, that's fine, whatever. Well, then um, I got a... Uh, I got a text message saying your package has shipped and I was like great that was on Friday and then um, Saturday he says your package um, will be arriving today and I was like oh my god that's only like two days not even two days Um, and then I got a 
a message saying your package was delivered at 4.06 p.m. on Saturday, yesterday. I was like, great, he can get his phone, he can, you know, start it up and get it going and all that. Well, then um, he texts me again through the iMessage thing on the laptop and says, um, the package says it was arrived, but they don't have it at the desk at, at our residence at our building they don't have it at the desk fedex dropped it somewhere else and well they couldn't find it so because my name was on it and my phone number was on it in tennessee here in knoxville i had to call fedex give them the tracking number and find out uh where this package was and and you know the fedex people were like well it says it was delivered and i said but it wasn't delivered there was no package at the desk and she said, well, we'll start a case, an investigation case to find out where this, where your iPhone is. And she took down the, all the information and stuff and said, we will get back to you. Well, they didn't get back to us until today. I called them around, I don't know, noon or maybe one o'clock. And I said, I'm just checking up on the status of this package. And the guy puts the number in, the reference number. And he says, it's still under investigation. There's no update um, that we can give you at this time. I was like, fine, I'll wait until you hear from them. You know, he's doing fine without a phone so far because he can still communicate through the iMessages, both with his family and me. So um, I, te I text him back that and said, this is what's happened. Well, then like two hours later, I get a message saying, your package was delivered. And then, so I text him, I said, um, I just got a message saying the package was delivered. You might want to go, you know, check the front desk. And sure enough, FedEx had, had delivered the package to a, a residence near our building. They had to go over to that residence, get the phone back, and deliver it to our house, our building, which they did. I'm like, one more thing, one more thing. Well, there is one more thing. So he gets the phone, he takes it out, he plugs it in, charge it up, and he starts going through the process of setting it up. Well, he, I talked him through the Wi-Fi, and I talked him through you know a couple of things. Well, then it gets to the point where you're going to activate the phone, and he says, and he texts me, he says, the phone has your phone number in it. And I was like, why did you put my number on the phone? You're supposed to put your number on the phone. And he said, well, I did, I did, I think I did. Well, so he's trying to activate a phone that has my phone number in it. So I have to call, and because he doesn't have a, a working phone, I have to call Apple and find out what he has to do now. So I call Apple and I tell them the situation and they say, well, there's nothing that we can do on our end. The phone has already been programmed with that phone number in it. And if it's activated, it will di disconnect your phone because it will assume that, that the new phone is the right phone. So I said to my husband, I said, stop activating do not go do not you know go through one more step on this phone because it will turn mine off and then we'll be really out of shit you know really in shit's creek anyway um so they tell me that you have to take the old phone and the current new phone to a verizon store because the apple stores are all closed because of covid19 so he has to find a verizon store that will be open and take both phones and have the them reprogram the phone with his phone number and hopefully uh, either figure out something with the screen or be able to um, transfer his data over by plugging in. I, I don't know. So that's what he has to do tomorrow. Um, so he still doesn't have a phone. 
which is also another bad thing because his nephew was has been in London since last September studying for his master's degree at some university, and he was sent home, and he flew back today to the airport that's near us. And he was supposed to... He, so he gave them my phone number in case his nephew had to call and say, I need to, you know, stay somewhere, do something before I get my next flight to Louisiana. So, oh, it's just, it's just been one thing after another. It's, it's been crazy. So as it is now, I'm probably going to be here until Wednesday. I'm hoping my mother will be discharged. It really is looking like Tuesday now that she'll be discharged from the hospital. Well, I can't go in the hospital, but I... I have found out that I can just drive up to the front. They will bring her to the front door and I pick her up in my car. I drive her to her assisted living facility, which is also on lockdown and I can't go in there. I drop her at the door. They take her in and get her settled. It's like, this is, it's so fucking crazy. I mean, the world is a completely different place. I I know I'm going past my usual 20 minutes, but, um, I'm telling you, just in a week, things have changed so much. Like all these states are now shutting down. And my husband and I were communicating earlier on the texting. And he's worried that that either D.C. or Tennessee or Virginia will be locked down and I won't be able to drive home. Well, I just told him, I said, I'm driving home no matter what. I will you know, just explain to them if I get pulled over or whatever, why are you driving on the road or whatever. I'll just tell them, look, I, I was in Tennessee for almost two weeks with my mother and I'm she's back at her assisted living facility and I'm driving home now I don't think that's going to happen but um he's worried about stuff like that once I get home I am staying in that house I don't care he says we have food so I'm not gonna worry about food I'm just gonna stay in the house and do nothing for for 15 days or 14 days or whatever it takes and and I I wanted to go into a little bit about Trump but I just can't every day that man talks he you know, because I've been watching these, my mother, actually my mother has changed her way. She's not a Trump fan anymore. Anyway, um, so every day they ha- he has this these uh, news conferences that literally like around noon. And um, so I, we would sit there and watch them. And the man, I swear, he cannot help himself but pat himself on the back for the, for every little thing that he thinks he's done. Well... So today I was watching it, it, Sunday it came on at like 6 o'clock when I was watching the news, and he can't, he just can't stick to the script. If he would literally just stand there and read the script as it was written, he would be fine. But because he stops the script and then has to you know put in his own words, which totally fuck up everything, and the fact that he keeps calling this the Chinese virus is, is, drives me crazy. I'm like... You're so racist. He's so racist. Anyway, I, I can't I can't go into that because my blood pressure has been really high this week, and um, because of just stress, I know it is because of that. So I can't do that. I can't have my blood pressure be up. Anyway, so um, I was since I had this time, I was listening to podcasts. I listened to Big Fatty and caught up on his, and he was talking last week about me being in Tennessee, and then I was going to the World's Fair. <laughs> it was funny. Um, so I. Um, Tweet, tweeted to him that I was definitely here to see the World's Fair. Um, it was funny. I just thought it was funny. Anyway, so I am catching up on podcasts because yesterday and today I was able to do my walks and I did get up to almost 10,000 steps, but I am nowhere near Big Fatty's 14,000 steps or whatever he's doing. This whole week has just been 
you know, dead for getting exercise done. But next week I'll get back to it. Anyway, I've got to stop talking. So um, I hope you all are staying safe and healthy and um, don't go out. Don't be around people. It's your best chance of not getting this virus. So um, that's all I have. And I'm going to stay away from people. So until next time, bye. (laughs) 